Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 334, live on YouTube. Uh, I'm your host, Blaine Putney, and I'm joined now by my co-host, Matt Bedard, a.k.a. Scotian Canadian. Welcome to the show. What's going on, buddy? Long time no see. It's been way too long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big win, big win tonight. Are we allowed to celebrate? Are we allowed? Like, should we be... Uh, happy or are people gonna be I'm, mad I'm, i think both <laughs> uh, people will be both okay that yeah it's tampa right like yeah i'd say that uh, i'm taking it Woo! felt good to do that man holy <laughs> shit <laughs> yeah it's been way too long since they've had a, a win against tampa at home uh, I think the last time Vasilevsky lost a game in Montreal was in 2016. Man, that's a stat. That's brutal. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I believe it. I believe it. He's a, he's a beast. He's a beast. And it's not, I mean, it's nice to get the, get the rebound win after getting stomped by them the other day. So we'll take it. We'll take it. I know, you know, a lot of people want to lose. A lot of people want to up those chances for, for Connor Bedard, and I mean, I absolutely do too. I mean, who 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 would say no to a kid like that, right? Like, uh, everybody wants a Bedard on their team. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, the reality is, this is a professional club, and they gotta put together a culture. They gotta, you know, put some effort in and try and get the wins every night. And sometimes they're gonna get them with the young talent that they have, and with Jonathan Drouin getting a little redemption tonight. <laughs> yeah well when you think about it they've only won two games in the month of march so far so i mean yeah and what has that gotten them they're they're the bottom five they got a 10 percent chance so yeah, let's we'll say they it. they get they get completely shelled for the rest of the season and somehow they finish dead last so instead of 10 percent, now it's 25 percent. you're still not there's still not much but you know it's not a huge possibility mm. Yeah, I mean, what is meant to be will be. And, uh, you know, I like to think I'm not superstitious, but I am. And if I was sitting here, you know, give us Connor Bernard, give us that loss, give us that extra 0.5%. In my head, the way my head spins and works, I'd be that would jinx it. That would jinx it. So I got to just, you know, step back, just let it play out. And, you know, enjoy the odd win when we can get him in a season like this because it's it uh, it sucks, you know, but everyone wants Bedard. Who, who would say no to that? that that'd be like that'd be like uh, a hot chick coming up to you on you're on the beach enjoying a nice hot day, just clear day. Hot chick comes up to you. Would you like a would you like a strawberry shortcake made with local strawberries and fresh whipped ice cream? And you're just like, fuck, no, get out of here. Of course, of course you want that, right? Everybody wants them, but take the wins when you can get them. 
Yeah, and it, it's not like there's a lot of them. It's not like there's no. a lot of wins either. <laughs> no. <laughs> Enjoy them when they happen, especially yeah. at home against a powerhouse team like that. Yeah. Absolutely a rival. And oh, look who it is. is he, oh. We got special guests. Oh, Treg is coming in hot. I haven't talked to Treg in a while either. And there he Good is. Day. Good day. Bienvenue. Good day. Good day. Welcome. Oh, I'm just excited about my Yoked huge race is coming. <laughs> Yeah, I'm wondering where you're going to spend that extra eight bucks a month. <laughs> well, I, I've lived in the same place for seven years, so I'm not even going to get uh, anything. So, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> not for this show. <laughs> nope. We don't want to say anything bad about the king. Sure. <laughs> Back to hockey, though. So, uh, so just Matt the, and I were just uh, just talking about Drewing's redemption and the Canadians finally winning a goddamn game at home. Are you happy well, or glad, sad? <laughs> I don't care if they win or lose. Like I said, they're going to finish round six or seventh. Uh, looks like they'll probably finish fifth. Um, so you were wrong. I guess, but it doesn't change the fact that I knew this team was better than what everyone Everyone thought they're going to be a bottom three team. I said they're not a bottom five; they're a bottom ten. They still could be a sixth or seventh. Uh, um, but uh, like, let's be realistic here. Like this team under Martin St. Louis, if it wasn't for what the eight game losing streak at the end of the season, would have been a five hundred team. Uh, and they actually got better this year. Montembeau became a better goalie. He was no longer a AHL backup like he was last year and he he's looking like he could legitimately be maybe a temporary starter for the team going forward. And uh, yeah, but everyone was like, no, this team sucks. Look at their defensive core. Well, the defensive core, if it's, I, I'm saying now, if the team were to stay healthy all year, they probably, yeah, the they probably would have been in the top 15. They, I don't think they would have made the playoffs, but they would have been around 12 to, to 14, I would say. If they stayed healthy all year, uh, they'd be battling Florida for yeah the, the yeah, next I, spot out of the playoffs, which which I think would be terrible either way. But uh, uh, yeah, it's worked out how it should have. It's it's worked it's worked out not maybe how it should have, but it's everything that w- has meant to happen has happened. They they needed another you know top five pick or top ten pick, yeah. and that's what they're gonna get. So you don't want to you don't want to enter a season, you know, fucking let's fucking lose, boys. Let's let's yeah. get the owls well, every night. But well, well, they put in the effort and then the injuries piled up and it just didn't work out for them. And, you know, otherwise it would have been likely pushing for a spot and a lot of incredibly frustrating losses and then falling short and being pissed off that we're drafting in the middle. Well, I mean, a lot of people who argue that they need to, to tank and to lose don't realize that people playing the game don't ta- they don't purposely lose. Nobody purposely loses. And and the biggest uh, the biggest complaint I hate is goalies are stealing games. Well, a goalie's there to win a game. They don't just get nets and say, "Well, you know, uh, I really want to get Bedard on the team, so I'm just going to let a few in and do this." Goalie, I'm a goalie. I they don't do that. They don't. 
even when they're letting yeah. six, seven goals in like the other night, they're pissed. You know what I mean? Like, and you have yeah. guys that are fighting for a career. <laughs> like, come on, like, let's use some common sense in this management yeah. tanks. And I think Hughes and them have done everything they could to put together an okay, you know, a team that's not going to contend for. He just said in the athletic with LeBron, this team's not going to contend for two to three years. Um, they did that. They, 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 they put together that. I mean, they're harnessed with these huge contracts with some players that they don't want, but I mean, they didn't go out, rush out and get a goalie to replace price. They didn't go, Oh, we don't have price. We better get another number one goalie. They didn't do that. They didn't try to replace anyone. The whole defensive core, they could have went out and said, hey, we need defensemen. Let's grab this guy and that guy. Instead, they went, you know what? We got rookies. Let's go with these guys. See what they can do. Well, you look at this season and compare it to last season. Last season, the team was really bad. They, They finished dead last. The team's not that much better in the standings, but it's night and day difference watching the games. How many people were depressed watching Habs games last year? Now, this year... They're losing almost as many, but at least they're fun to watch. Well, in games, they're back and forth. There's been some barn burners, you know, last year it was like, you know, five minutes into the first and it's already two nothing and you just know how it's going to play out. It's going to be four nothing. Then they'll score a goal late in the third and they're going to lose four one or six two or some bullshit this year. There's, you don't know what you're getting into each game and the roster seems to have changed every single night or two because of the injuries we just get Gallagher and Doc back and Anderson is now going to be gone so it's like it's like yeah. it's unbelievable the injury luck and maybe I know the you know the medics and the doctors are taking slack but you know it's been a it's been a weird season and uh, but somehow they're still upbeat and you know making plays out there and having fun somehow there was a little dip for probably two or three weeks in the middle of the season when it started to get a little mundane, the guys were getting frustrated. And that was when I was like, okay, is, is, is Marty going to be able to turn this around? And he did. And they and then they, they somehow got their wits back to them and we're back in some games again. But like, I totally agree with uh, Treg there. Like all the, you know, there's, there's a difference between what the reality is and what fans are going to want. Like I, I, I was telling Blaine before he popped in, like everyone wants Connor Bedard. I'm, if, you know, we end up bottom five or somehow in, you know, bottom three, whatever, and get a nice percentage to get them. Who's, who's not going to be happy about that, that at the end. But the reality is, is that it's a professional hockey club, you know, in, you know, the top tier, the highest tier you can get. And, you know, uh, of a team that has one of the best legacies in sports, they're, they're not rolling over ever. doesn't matter what the, the situation is this and especially when you're trying to build a culture that's going to take off here and there's a difference between Hughes saying oh we're not going to contend for two to three years and I don't think they're rolling over and saying we're not going to at least try to make the playoffs each and every year going forward whether or not like they're not turning the faucet in terms of we're going to start buying and and surrounding these guys with pieces to to push once we get in there but they're not rolling over next season either it might be a what should have happened this year happens next year maybe a tad bit better like they're fighting for a wild card next year and just miss out or just get in or whatever right i uh it's going to be organic I, it's not going to be this forced 
uh, we're going to get rid of all the good players so we can suck real bad. They're organically allowing the team to finish where they finish as they shed contracts that they don't want. Well, it's like Bergevin signed a lot of big contracts. You have Armia, Savard, Edmondson, uh, Gallagher, which I think is going to be an albatross down the road. Like, I love Gallagher. Everyone loves Gallagher, but he's not a six and a half million dollar hockey player. Um, So, but if you you look at the next two or three years, though, all those salaries are going to be disappearing. Huffman, uh, Edmondson, uh, Savard, uh, Armia. In the next two or three years, they're all going to melt away. I mean, you're still going to have Gallagher, but that whatever. You know what I mean? Like, okay, you have a leader. Okay, he's getting six and a half million dollars to be a leader. I can live with that. Um, And as those contracts go away, that's when they'll start replacing. That's when they'll start. Okay, and it's going to depend on what they draft. If they win the lottery lottery and get Bedard, okay, well, now we got to start. You know what I mean? We got that skilled elite player now which they do need they do need a a top elite player because um but you can also get that with fantelli or carlson or mitchkov who will be around in three to four years right and if they don't want to contend for another three to four years mitchkov may not be a bad um so if they pick top five they're not going to lose out like I, I took heat on uh, Twitter for saying Canadians do not need Bedard, and it's a fact. Monster. No, no they, team, no team don't. needs a player, right? They want the player. The player is going to greatly increase or accelerate their plans. However, if you're going to put all your baskets in on one player, then your management's terrible, right? And you're basically saying, as a fan or as someone who follows that, I do not trust my management. They better get this guy or we're screwed. And that's what a lot of people are saying. A lot of people saying, if we don't get A, B, or C, we're going to be, we're going to suck for the next 10 years. Absolutely right. not. I mean, for, and that Habs in the situation that they're in, that couldn't be further from the truth. I still think mm. that, uh, you know, and the, the results and the standings helps this narrative move forward, even though it's not true that they're this awful team that needs this huge rebuild the the young talent with elite level potential on this team all in the same age range with more coming is insane it's insane doc caulfield suzuki and then on the back end ghoulie baron jack like it's just these guys are all going to grow together i with all these like trig mentions the contracts are coming off coming out they're going out the door so that's going to open up money so it's likely that a lot of these guys are going to be playing together for the next six seven years uh you know they're going to be good they're going to be good it's just been a strange season they're still growing they're still and um yeah so i'm excited for the rebuild and where it's at and right now i think we're we we've been hughes took over at a great time uh with a lot of came in and had a lot of assets but also a lot of troubled contracts to get away from which will take time there's no need to rush it especially when it's strong veterans who've been putting in their time um that are having an impact on these kids that are growing it's gonna happen organically and it's gonna happen you know sooner rather than later Two to three years to contend isn't that long. Like he said, like that's not long. Oh, and when you think about it, not really. They still in this this draft here, even if they get top five, my guess is um if they're in five or six, they'll probably end up going for someone like Reinbacher. 
that right-handed defenseman, a puck mover, big kid. He is tearing up the Swiss league right now. And when he was here in Halifax at the world juniors, the guy was playing on an IV drip without any solid foods for the whole tournament. He was sick and he was still putting up good numbers and he, he was competitive against teams like Canada. Blaine, you cannot say they're going to draft Reinbacher. You just screwed the team. You just screwed the team. Uh, Have you not been listening to Twitter? Have you not been listening to Twitter? No, because I have a life. You have to get player A, B, or C, or else it's it's a total. It's over. Throw in the towel. It's over. (laughs) Yeah. It's over. Well, I've got it on pretty good authority that they're looking at guys like uh, uh, Dvorsky and Reinbacher. Those are the types of players they're looking at. I don't think Mitchkoff is going to be the guy they pick. I don't. I think. I don't. I think Mitch Goss is going to drop to closer to ten to twelve than any anywhere else. Um, however, I'm not a huge fan of Dvorsky. There's nothing I've seen, and I've watched some highlights and stuff like that. So I'm not just saying I've seen a little bit of this no. and a little bit of that. I, I prefer don't, um, Leo Carlson. Myself. I prefer Leo Carlson, but I think he's going to go top three or four. So I'd say three. Yeah. If Mishkov doesn't get picked in three, he's going three. So uh, I like guys like Zach Benson or Will Smith or, uh, you know what I mean? If they're picking five, six, I'd rather than pick around there. I'm not against Ryan Barlow. Maybe that's it. But that's another guy that if you pick him, you're just, you just screwed the draft, screwed the draft, Blaine. I know I'm on Twitter all the time and I know things. I shouldn't have picked that 50 goal (laughs) scorer. I know. I know. Sorry, but, guys. Uh, but I mean, again, you have a bunch of fans who are freaking out about stuff that hasn't happened yet. And then they're freaking out about a draft pick that they have no idea how they're going to do in the NHL. So, I mean, you can go Bedard, you can sit there and say he's the next greatest thing, or he's the next Alexander Dagg. I don't think he's going to be the next Alexander Dagg. Don't get me wrong, but I don't <laughs> think he's going to, I don't think he's going to be McDavid either. Yeah. You know, I think he'll be an elite star. Yeah. Canadians need an elite player because I don't really think they have one. I think they have high level players, but no elite player. Yeah. They don't oh. have that generational or even that next tier down. Yeah. They don't have that. Caulfield, that guy. Caulfield might be on the cusp, I think, maybe. Um, yeah, maybe. Like, I don't think Suzuki is a, a Suzuki on a contending team is not a first line center. Suzuki's the this this era's Saku Koivu, if that makes any sense to anyone. I'd say Plekinitz. Yeah, he he's great. He's going to be a great center. He's going to be a good first line center for what we have. But in the end, if you can get a better center, you go and get him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I I would even argue maybe Kirby Dock ends up being that better center. Speaking of Kirby, yeah, he's yeah. talented, man. <laughs> He, he just played a hell of a game. He played over 20 minutes. He uh, he dominated puck possession. He scored the goal, uh, the early goal. Uh, he did not look like he missed five or six weeks of hockey. He's a unit. He's a tank. Like, and he, he's good everywhere. Like, he's, he's a really, really good player. Versatile. Like, yeah, it's, uh, that was that was a shocker. I, I couldn't believe that when it happened. Like, right away, it was like, top you know number four shutdown guy defenseman you know swap him for a first and you end up with a you know potential top six center out of it and we're already seeing that 
turn around real quick, you know? I could I like just how they got a like I understand he had his injury and he struggled in Chicago a bit, but you know, to get a number three overall pick for for Romanov, you know, who albeit, you know, impressed a lot and has a good resume as a as a you know middle defenseman who's vicious, uh, to get a you know a Kirby Doc for that. That's that's amazing. And I love Romanov, but you know, take that and run. Especially, Especially when, when moving moving Romanov opens up space for Gooley to play. <laughs> yeah. And Jack. Yeah. Eye, yeah. And Jack. Eye. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, if you ask me, Jack is the Romanov replacement only he can fight. Not that Romanov couldn't fight, but Jack eyes. He can also Jack shoot. Eye, he can shoot. He can skate. <laughs> yeah. he, he can dance on that blue line. He can, yeah. how this guy didn't get drafted at any level. It is beyond me. It's beyond mm-hmm. me. I have no idea, but that just goes to show what hard work and determination gets someone. He he was he was told this is what he had to work on, and that's what he worked on, and then he just kept improving. Yeah, got huge, got swole naturally and, somehow. And your Druin thing, I was glad Druin scored a goal. I thought he played a great game, and I loved the way he handled the entire situation. He didn't uh, throw any blame at anyone. He said, "I was late. This is why I was late." And Martin St. Louis had to do what he had to do. End of and he was only in the lineup, by the way, because. Uh, uh, what's his face was a late scratch that Gooley was a late scratch, the defenseman. So they only put him in there so they can have their 21 players or whatever. Yeah. That whole thing played out really, really well. And, you yeah. know, I, you know, I would say it's unlikely, but, um, you know, I don't know. It just seems like Marty and Drouin are something developing this kind of interesting relationship, you know, like, to go through something like that where Marty has to, you know, put the fist down the first time he really kind of had to, since he's been coach and, you know, it sends a message to the whole team. That's not, you know, I know Drew struggled here and everybody's been, he's been out here and there. He's playing well as of late. He's a veteran of sorts, you know, he's in his late twenties now, mid to late twenties. Uh, you know, that sends a message to the young players on the team that this is serious. And then Drewen goes and then does a favor to St. Louis and also just is a pro and handles it professionally, shows the kids, shows the, the, the room how you handle something, even if you fuck up. So that the way that whole thing played, and then he scores tonight, beautiful goal, beautiful shot. Uh, was it Guriano made the pass? Like yeah. the, the way the whole thing played out was perfect. And, and despite being in Montreal, when they could, you know, the media can be looking for something to just tear this team down. Everyone handled it like very, very well. Especially, so maybe do, do, does he come back? Probably not, but you never know. Especially with Druin, who everyone goes on, has an attitude. He's a piss poor attitude. He's this, he's that, he's this. Uh, and I've never seen that in Druin. Like, Blaine and I have been supporters of Druin from day one. Uh, my biggest thing was I thought Bergevin took, made the expectations for him way too high. And when he didn't meet it, people rioted. And uh, like Blaine and I both agree the entire time, this he's not the player everyone thinks he's going to be. Uh, it doesn't help that Sergeyev has gone on to be a fairly good top four defenseman. Uh, he's not a Norris guy or anything, but and he's also playing on a high-powered hockey team and i'm not taking anything away from sergachev he, he's a good hockey player um but drew was put in an awful position right from the start like he literally had to have 80 to 90 point seasons just to uh 
appease everyone. Like if he would have had a 60, 65, no, no one would be happy. Um, but he did what he did and he is what he is. And I thought he, he handled the whole situation with it. He's the highest score in Canadian since January. So he leads the entire team in points since January. So, and that goes to say like what you said about Martin St. Louis, he had to do something. And he says, all right, Jerome was going to sit out the game, but then again, when Gooley got put out, he had, he had to put him in. And then he said, you know what? You're just not playing. And uh, I'm not changing what I'm doing. You just have to sit on the bench. And Drew and took it like a pro. He was like, all right, whatever. <laughs> I'll just sit here. I, <laughs> you want some water? Yeah. You okay? <laughs> yeah, I could see him going to a kind of a low-key market and, you know, putting up quite a few apples, you know, helping out someone's power play, being a depth depth scoring piece for a, for a really good team you know like he's he's putting up quite a you know quite a few points now because he's getting a ton of minutes because play is he a guy that's on a really good team that can play on both sides of the puck and still put up points maybe not but he can you know he can go somewhere and put up some points on a on a you know second power play unit and some depth scoring and whatnot you know i, I don't know it's it's a bittersweet ending for for drew it didn't play out how it should have but he's done a lot for the community and you know, I like I, I agree. I haven't seen any of the piss poor attitude stuff. And it seemed like, you know, the excuse that was used or the reason for this whole situation in the first place, uh, he just slept in and was two minutes late. Just it seemed genuine, right? It seemed like an honest mistake that hadn't happened yeah. before. And and the team was just not gonna allow it to slide, which I thought is is fair sign of yes. a good organizer. Setting setting the example, using him just even being two minutes late letting everybody know this is how things are going to roll in my dressing room. So St. Louis saying, here's the line. Don't cross the line. It's one of these un- non-negotiable points. And then he set that standard. If he would have let that slide, that could have hurt in the long run. But now he understands, because St. Louis understands, you have to control that room, keep it within a certain boundary. Now, now with Drouet, um, I'm going to call it now this summer. I fully expect him to walk away a free agency and sign probably on the 5th or 6th of July with either Arizona, Anaheim, Columbus, one of those teams near the bottom for a really cheap deal on a one-year term, play his heart out through the year, put up a ton of points, and then they flip him for something decent at the deadline to a contending team. That yeah. That's my call right now. Yeah. And then he, then he pulls a cadre and wins a cup. <laughs> <laughs> well, he has played the game seven before, so he knows how to do it. <laughs> um, but now, on the game can... itself, we should talk about the yeah. game a little bit. Um, there was a couple of interesting points to that game. Uh, the the Pizzetta having to defend a clean hit. This bullshit of having to defend clean hits is getting fucking old. Pizzetta knocks uh, knocks Perry off his feet with a perfectly clean legal hit. And then Maroon comes uh, slowly into the scrum, uh, or as fast as he can, depends how you look at it, and then tries to make him fight for it. I, I think Maroon's just jealous of Pizzetta's hair. <laughs> well, this, <laughs> same thing happened again to Romanov last night with the Islanders. Uh, yes. Perfectly good, clean hit, and then he had to, some guy jumped him. And uh, now devil's advocate will say 
speed of the game players don't always know whether it's a clean hit or not so they're defending their player if they they get put to the ice so here's here's my theory on that if the player goes to the ice but doesn't look hurt what are you defending you know first of all second of all you can so tell a dirty hit from a clean hit um because the guy's head whips back 90 percent of the time on a fucking dirty hit right um but when a guy got his elbow tucked in his sh- his bent down like this and lays a hit the only way that's a dirty hit is if the other guy got his head down so um yeah i think it's just uh the instigator rule was put in for a reason and that is exactly what it should be used on right but then they and didn't there. use it they never use it ever nope so why have it yeah can't hear you talking there, Matt. Yeah, they never. Uh, yeah, sorry, they never use yeah. it. They, uh, they like, and if you if you start using it, that'll make guys think about actually not just assuming it's dirty right away. Mm-hmm. Like, like they'll you know you'll hear maybe they didn't see it, see the hit, they turn around, their their teammates down, they don't know, so they just immediately react. That might eliminate the immediate reaction if you know you're going to just take a two minute. And yep. you know, put your team down. They should be using it. That's the perfect spot to use that. Yep. If it's a clean uh, hit, the ref should be able. To, the ref should see the clean hit and go. He shouldn't be jumping him right now. So he's instigating a fight. Instigator penalty. There you go. End of conversation. But the refs don't do that. They they're just like oh. And that penalty go. in its in and of itself would be enough of a deterrent to keep fights to a minimum which in turn is what certain leagues in junior hockey want. Instead of a complete ban, just use the damn rules that are in place. Well, I mean, I'm not against fights. I'm old school. I don't mind the fights. Um, However, uh, in the old school ways, if you think about it, whether the hit was clean or dirty, you didn't jump the guy right away anyway. You took his number and he went, all right. I'm going to get you later on in the game. Right. And that's how, how it was. And by get you, I meant they either gave them a big hit or they said, all right, I seen the replay of that hit. You're going, it was a dirty hit. You're going down. Uh, But now it's just, everything's reactionary. As soon as someone gets hit and it's a nice, good looking hit. Oh, it's, it's almost like you just embarrassed him. I'm going to go beat you up now. Um, and yeah, so it all goes back to what Matt and I were saying. Just the perfect spot to have an inst- for the instigator rule. And with the Q now saying they want to ban fighting altogether, which I think is totally wrong, because um, there's a lot of kids who don't have all that finesse, but they do have toughness and grit. Uh, that's going to deter them from from actually getting on a team, if you ask me. That's how you uh, get. But, that's how you get another Jack guy too, because he couldn't really yeah. fight. I don't think in June. And then as soon as he gets into the pros, he's beating the shit out of people. <laughs> oh, he, he was he was a big he was a big fighter in Hamilton. He was a was um, he? Yeah. I went yeah. looking for his fights and I could find yeah. like two he, or three a year. Yeah. He had a couple where he knocked guys out and then he started doing this as he's skating away. So um he got suspended yeah. for that. Uh yeah. but uh uh yeah, I agree with Blaine. I agree. You use the instigator rule. Or you use the uh, actually doesn't junior have this if you fight in the third period you're gone for the next game or something like that or is that the younger last five minutes or something 
Yeah, yeah. So just start doing that. Like if you fight in the game, you're out. You get into a fight, you're gone for the rest of the game. If it's the third period, you can't play the next game or whatever, right? Uh, don't completely get rid of it, but make it more of a turn to want to go out and do it. And, and fighting is supposed to be a deterrent against players pulling dirty plays. Mm. You know, this is a self-policing mechanism. So something that we saw um, with Sergachev and Anderson at the end of this game, that, although I don't think it's really overall dirty or greasy, it was just kind of a, a battle and Sergachev went over the line a little bit, but that deserves more uh, a fight more so than a clean friggin' hit. That deserved a penalty, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. So Anderson's down. The, the word is out of breaking news is right now that he's expected to be out for the rest of the year, but Gooley for sure is out for the rest of the year. His season is done. Unbelievable. Eh? Unbelievable. The, the the injuries that keep happening to key players that like, and that one with Anderson 20 seconds left in the game. I guess we should have traded him at the deadline how are we going to trade him in the off season now what the hell we're never getting pld oh. we are never getting dubois <laughs> yeah yeah couldn't couldn't trade Bonham. brutal though it is it's brutal. and that yeah could yeah that was a big one i was i was expecting a first round pick for monahan but uh yeah it's too bad the knee too it looked like that looked bad and that could potentially be a, you know, barely ready for training camp injury for all we know, you know, like that's just fucking shitty. Rolling too, first 20 goal season, official 20 goal season in a while. Right. He fought, he finally yeah. hit the mark. He was on pace for every year, the last few years, but this year he actually hit it. It's, it's his consistent level, but go figure boom down with yeah. a fucking knee injury. 20 yeah, seconds he, left. He was on pace for 25, uh, 25 goals. Um, I guess I say to shut the season down for the Canadians this year. Let's just, you know, shut her down. Shut her go. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I go, shut the lights off. Going back to the game, I, I will say this. Montembeau is winning me over every game he plays. This is technically it's his third start in a row because um, he started both Tampa games and fourth. the Florida game. Is it his fourth, his fourth start? Yeah. Okay. Because he technically started the Florida game and then left. But when he came back in the Florida game, he played really well. Um, he made the most saves of that game. <laughs> Out of any of the 27 goalies who played. 7-2 <laughs> after the first? That was fucking crazy. 7-3. 7-3? My yeah, God. 10 goals. Tied the record for most goals in a first period. And second Jeez. for most goals in one period, 12, I think is the record. And I think it was done in the second period. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, Montebo, like I will admit last year, I hated Montebo. I thought he was a terrible goalie. And I was like, this guy is terrible. I hope he never plays for the Canadians again. And, but this year it's, it's a totally different story and it could, he has one more year. And personally, I think they should give him the number one job next year and uh, see how he does. And if he if he truly wins it, then sign him, give him another extension. I yeah, I I think that's I think that's when um, you know the faucets will truly get turned on for this team in terms of contending and competing is when they figure out that goaltending position. I yeah. think they're going to be very careful with it. 
eventually someone's going to establish themselves as a, uh, the long-term starter or they'll or they'll get a tandem with a you know guy that edges out the starting position but when that happens is, is, is going to be when it that's going to be when the it we t- we turn that corner is when the goaltending situation gets gets figured out and it's it's an important one it's a you know it's not a, not an easy place to play whatsoever and i think that's what montambo has going for him because he went through that horrible season last year and despite being lit up every night he handled it like a pro and then he comes into this season and he's putting up much better numbers um despite having a you know who's who a defenseman but all of them young in front of him so yeah he he's 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 impressive i'd like to see him stick around he's he's working his ass off for his for his hometown team yeah uh and he's 14th i think in the league and goals saved above expected so um for all the analytic goalies uh, for all the analytic people out there that's uh, what everyone seems to be looking at for to determine how good a goalie is so if you're playing on the 27th place team and you're the 14th best goalie in the league that says something i think they're honestly running uh, riding him right now to see if he can handle being a starter so the four games in a row it's kind of a let's see if he can handle the load of being a starter well, and he has a 500 record. He's 14, 14, and three or something like that. So, well, not quite 500, but you know what I mean. Um, so, yeah, he has an over nine save percentage. I mean, goals against average isn't great, but still better than Allen's. And, uh, yeah, and maybe next year if Montebo does play that well, maybe you have a market out there to uh, move Allen and get something back. Who the backup would be, I have no idea, but because I think Primo's days are done. but. But we'll see. Yeah. No idea. Uh, but moving on from that, Matt, you uh, you read the uh, the article with uh, the Hughes interview today. What's your take on that? I think he speaks uh, very eloquently. I think he's got a plan in place. I mean that that's evident as as in terms of you know um, what he highlights. Um, and I just like how he brings up the the state of the division because that is crucial. The you know the Atlantic does have you know it's top heavy. There's some very very good teams in this division, especially in terms of regular season success. You know Boston and Toronto and uh, Tampa, of course, being the dynasty that they've been. But along with Toronto and Boston, as incredibly strong regular season teams every single year it's a hard division to crack into that top three. So that does, you know, play into it. You want to get as good as them uh, as they are now. You want to get as good as them to compete with them and beat them out for that spot. But, you know, also the reality of it is, is that a couple of them are, you know, they're at the tail end of their windows, you know, including Toronto in some sense. They're going to have to really re- retool this team a little bit in the next couple of years, especially if they get bounced early, Boston's core is quite old. So they are going to drop off a bit and that'll, um, you know, I agree. I think that'll lighten the, the, the load for the blows and the Detroit's that are also on their way up. Like the Habs, are. you know, it's going to be, you're going to see that switch happen at some point in the next couple of years. It's going to be the, you know, Detroit Habs Buffalo near the top, and um 
And that's just how that's how it'll be. I think that's it's wise. And they're not going to buy for a while. You know, I think that's the that's the main thing I took from it is that they're just they're they've got a plan and they're going to stick to it. And, you know, let's say they compete for a wild card spot next season. And let's say they sneak into a playoff spot. Is Kent Hughes going to buy at the deadline? No, he might even still ship Joel Edmondson out or maybe he just keeps him as an own own rental. You know what I mean? But they're not going to go all in next year, even if they make it. I think that is what I take from that, you know, Um, because they're going to compete like we already talked about. That's that's a a non-negotiable that I'm sure it is. So, um, no, I like it. And I don't read into it that it's pro tank whatsoever. I I, I don't see that mentality. Um, You know, uh, it could also be setting the expectations a little low for the fan base to knock them out of the park next year, the year after. So we'll see this, this team's on, on, on good footing. If they stay healthy, if they can have a healthy season for the first time in five fucking years, then they will be fine. Now, Morad asks a very good question here on, uh, on uh, the YouTube channel, and it kind of ties into the rebuild and the goaltending that we were bringing up earlier. And he's asking if we would take a chance on Carter Hart. I'm going to send that question to you, Matt. Would you do that? I mean, I mean, it depends on what the cost is, right? I mean, I don't think it'd be much. You, you don't, you, I mean, I shouldn't say that. He was touted as a generator, you know, the next carry price at one point, potentially Canada's next starter. So, but the thing is with goalies, the the value, you don't see a lot of value going back in deals for goaltenders mm-hmm. a lot. So it's not like we'd be trading for a first line center and whatever. And I don't have his stats up right now. They're not. You know, I think he had like a 917 or 915 in his first couple seasons. He's dropped off a little bit since he's got a shitty team in front of him. I mean, I don't I don't know why he wouldn't try it out, depending on what the cost is. And, you know, could be a match made in heaven. You know, the next carry price ends up the next carry price on the Habs, you know. But, um, yeah, it's a it's an interesting idea. Um, And I just kind of find it strange that Philly's even shopping him in the first place you know a guy I think he's around 23 24 year old range even if they're going to go through a rebuild goalies primes are usually yeah goalies you know they've got time that's it's I don't know it doesn't seem wise for them to trade him so that would lead me to believe that it would be wise to acquire him and give him a chance especially while we're in a, a stage right now where we need a goalie and we're not necessarily contending so fuck it give it a shot well, the last couple of years, Philly's been kind of shitty, and he's put up a 905 and a 907 save percentage, and that's not bad, especially if for if for a goalie making less than four million. Now, that's about what Montembeau is doing now for one million. Carter Hart's the most overrated goalie in the NHL. <laughs> I love it. I didn't want to come out and say it. I've been saying it for years. But <laughs> I, I've never been a Carter Hart fan. I think Montreal's wasting their time to go out and get him. Uh, and you make a perfect point, Blaine. Montembeau's putting up the same save percentage as Carter Hart, and he's making $3 million less. So why go out and get him? Well, if yeah. you're talking about putting up a tandem, like Matt was talking about, you know, when the when the team's starting to get ready, uh, Hart is only 24, Montembeau's 26. I mean, as a tandem, um, on a decent team, those two would probably be good enough. 
that could spark a, you know that could be a nice little uh you know goalie competition going on not controversy but competition mm-hmm. they could you know keep each other you know motivated to take the well, spot it's Montreal. Maybe we'll have it a end up being and, a goalie night fight you know all mark yeah i don't know suzuki rune carter hart when he patted him on the head so i think it's over <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's done. That'd be hard to forget. He actually took a giant dive there. He did. Like ever since he pat him on that head, Carter went (laughs) to the point now the team that has him, (laughs) the team that thought he was going to be their big goalie savior, because Philadelphia, let's be honest, hasn't had a good goalie since Ron Hextall. Um, you know, uh is going to uh he was going to be the next big thing, and he's not. You know, they thought he was going to be uh, Carey Price, and he ended up being uh, Mike Condor. And <laughs> yeah, Dustin goalies Kuhn. are weird, though. Like, look at Montembo <laughs> last year, this year. You never know, right? That's, that's that, I, like that's why you need your goalie scouts. They're you know, just you guys figure it out. <laughs> the 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 biggest thing with Montembo is you knew Montembo was going to have a bad game just by his body language after a bad goal. But I find this year, even after a bad goal or after a goal, it's not, it's different. He, he still, you know, like last year, he would let a goal in. He could just tell by his body language, like, you're like, ah, oh, he's going to let another one in any minute now. And sure enough, come, next shot or a couple shots later, he lets another goal in and then another goal in. And I find this year, he's not like that. He'll let a goal in and he shakes it off and he gets back out there and then forgets all about it. I mean, like tonight's first goal, he wasn't. I didn't even know how that goal went in until I saw the highlights, but uh, it was just a well-placed shot. That's all. Uh, and there's nothing you can, you can really do about that. And you shook it off. And... The second goal sure as hell wasn't his fault either. Uh, well, that, and that was pretty goddamn empty. <laughs> I mean, why wasn't he there? Why wasn't he there? I mean, the puck hit someone in front and just went right to the open guy and Montebo was in position for where the puck was supposed to go. And, uh, he should have known better. He should have known. Didn't even stretch out to try to get it. Oh, I was so pissed. <laughs> Druin would have had that. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Ryder would have had that. <laughs> I'm still waiting for Chris Tierney to score an empty net goal. <laughs> oh. oh, man. That's... That's cold. That is just cold. What? He's wearing 67. He has to score an empty. He has to score an empty net goal. Yeah. Even if it it was his first ever empty net goal, it's going to be ruined. Ruined. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I'll say this. If I I was in the NHL, I'd score every empty net goal I could. A goal's a goal. I don't give a shit if a goalie's in there. The only guy I know, Brett Hall, had one empty net goal in his entire career. He refused to score them because he didn't want to taint his uh, goal numbers. Think about that. The man has what? 600 goals? 500 and some odd goals? One empty netter. I mean, it's impressive. That's very impressive, yeah. Doesn't sound much of a team player, but I mean... That's what I'm saying, but I'm saying if I'm on a breakaway, there's an empty net, I'm not going to go, no... Someone come yeah. take this. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be top Draw shelf of that thing. <laughs> yeah. Patrick Stefan, eat your heart out. 
Oh, oh man. Yeah. yeah. So fun. Uh, all right. So talked about the draft and talked about LeBron's uh, interview, goaltending, the return of the players. But now there's another one that I want to bring up, and that's Gurianov. Do you, Matt, believe he's done enough or is on pace to earn uh, either a qualifying offer or a new contract? I don't know, man. That's uh, he'll. I think he's going to have to work something out with Hughes because that qualifying offer is pretty high for a guy that, uh, or for a team, I should say, that's you know trying to clear cap space. I don't know why that you have any sort of loyalty towards, you know, this guy at this point. I mean, it's still been only a you know handful of games. I'd still you know leave that for the leave that for the off season and continue to you know you know, uh, analyze his, his, his effort and play away from the puck. Um, yeah, no rush. I'm not, you know, I'm not sold on the guy, but he, he, he makes some nice crisp passes. He's, you know, he's scoring goals here and there. He's putting up points. So you gotta, you know, respect that. It's nice to see that happen for a guy that's, uh, you know, brand new to a team, you know, that quickly he meshed pretty well, like right off the bat. So, you know, was good in the playoffs for Dallas a couple of years ago. That's usually a good sign, you know, you know, value that much higher than, than uh, any sort of regular season statistics. So, but uh, we'll see, we'll see. He's an RFA. It's nice to at least, you know, keep that trade tree going a little bit. What about you, Trey? Uh, well, he got seven points in 12 games. You can't really for with the Canadians. Uh, he's, he's, he's a good skater. He has size. Uh, I agree with Matt, the qualifying offers, what kind of, you know, yeah, he is a former 20 goal scorer and maybe come back to that, but uh, I'd want, I I think I would like to sign him, but I don't know if I want to throw four or 5 million at him. And I think his qualifying offers, what, 3.9 or something like that. 2.9. 2.9. I mean, I wouldn't go much higher than that. I wouldn't go much higher than that. Two and a half, maybe what I'd go. Maybe. You don't have to give them that. You know, they don't, they don't even have to qualify him. They could just sit there and say, look, we, we're we not going to qualify you with this. He can become a free agent, just like they did with Rem Pidlick. Mm. He, he, they can sign him for a two-year deal for much less. Or yeah, but Rem, somewhere else. yeah, but Rem Pidlick never scored 20 goals either. I mean, I mean, I, I'll... I'll play the, I mean, the guy's only 25. Uh, like I said, since coming to Montreal, seven points in 12 games. That's pretty good. Five goals. Uh, he has a hell of a shot. Uh, you know, he passes well. He's a good skater. He has size. Um, again, let's, who, it depends on if they draft someone, who they draft. Do they make an offer for Dubois in the off season? You know, is Anderson part of that officer for Dubois in the off season? So, I mean, there's a lot of factors that are going to play in uh, depending on what they do in the future. Um, I mean, if you get a guy like Dubois guaranteed someone like Anderson, or I guess the rumor going around now, Logan Mayu is going to be involved, would be involved. Uh, probably a, another first round pick somewhere is going to be involved. Um, so if you lose that power for Anderson, wait. 
I see, I don't know if Dubois really wants to come to Montreal. He's never really came out and said, I want to be in Montreal. His agent Old said bluff. his agent said Montreal's a place that you know we'd like to be. Paul is bluff. Again, it who, who depends if you win the lottery and draft Bedard, you're not going out and getting Dubois. No. Because now you have Bedard, Suzuki, and Doc as centers. Right? But I, I, I think Bedard I don't see I don't see Bedard as a center in the NFL. I don't either. I see him I I think he's too small. I think he moves to the wing. But anyway, um I'm just saying, or if you get Fantelli, so you get Fan or Leo Carlson. Um you know, they're all centers. So depends on who you get. as a winger as well. Yeah. I mean, I can see, I, well, Fantelli played wing the entire uh, world junior. So he's a center. Yeah. Um, so again, like everyone's saying, oh, we should do this and we should do that. But, you know, if you do this, it changes this. So really, it all depends on what Hughes is prior- prioritizing right now. Is he prioritizing the draft? And then that will determine who he brings back and who he doesn't. I would like to bring Gary on up back, but not at two and not at three million dollars. Yeah, I'd like I'd no, like him to prioritize so is having some minutes for guys like uh RHP, you know, because when we get Caulfield back and Dvorak back, you know, and depending on you know if we make a signing or you know, there needs to be there needs to be ice time for guys like that are right on the edge of graduating to be full-time NHLers. And I I'm not sure if I want to commit to Gurianov then take that spot away from a guy who's 22 or you know who's not gotten his chance yet to to stay uh you know it's great that Gurianov's good in the playoffs but are we going to be in playoffs next year do we need a player do we need a depth 20 goal scorer you know that we're hoping rebounds let's just go with our in-house talent that we're developing let's give them you know some minutes here well just just to bring this up uh, there's only a year difference between RHP and Gariano. Gariano's 25, RHP's 24. Um, but yeah, like y- Yelonen's another guy. He's going to be looking for ice time. I mean, mind you, you're losing Drew and he's not coming back. Uh, yeah. Byron's not coming back, so he's not going to be taking up a spot. Uh, Monaghan's not coming back. Uh, I don't know who else is on the Ford. Is there anyone else? Dvorak, Dvorak, but they could potentially move him. But he, you know, there's him there, and yeah. but and he's still signed Dvorak. But Coffee yeah. will be back. Dvorak will be back. But I mean, I'm not a super hyped. I'm not super hyped on RHP myself. Like I, he had that hot start. I think it was a matter of he just was in the right line at the right time and the right energy. Mm. Um, I'm indifferent between Garyanov and RHP. Honestly, like RHP people cheaper. So yeah, keep him over Garyanov if that's the case. Uh, I think Garyanov has more potential. Than RHP has. I also think Yelonen has more potential than RHP have. I like to see Yelonen make the team. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, so this is what you have to look at. Like, who's, uh, you know, if you want to rebuild and you want these young guys coming in, then you can't really go out and start bringing guys in from elsewhere because then you're taking spots away from people that are already in your system. Um, and uh, there's going to be several openings next year. I mean, you're looking at, um, yeah, so. Caulfield is going to be back. Slavkovsky is going to be back. Evans is going to be yeah, back. Um, Evans. Yeah, and, and there's, all, there's gonna, a few, right? And you're going to lose, probably lose. Um, well, 
definitely Drouin is gone. Belzilby won't be there. Uh, Tierney won't be there. Pitlick, probably not. Uh, Anderson, not Anderson, but Hoffman, there's a possibility he's traded off for spare parts. You know, it. so there's, there's going to be four, maybe five roster spots. Yeah, sure. Keep some uh, spots open for the young guys like back coming up or RHP and Yalone in. But there's there is a spot that Gurionov could fill if if he signs for much less. And, and I do believe that he has earned that chance to sign a one or two year deal at like one and a half million, but not definitely not two point nine. Yeah, I yeah, mean, like yeah. I, I could see them working that out, like Hughes working that out. You know avoiding the qualifying offer that he might not have earned the last year or two and working something out where yeah. he's comfortable and has a give him some minutes and a good 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 role. Yeah. And and I think it's only going to be a one or two year deal because you have guys like Farrell and Waugh and uh Kidney. Uh I believe they're all going to be in Laval next year, but uh um they're going to be Richard. looking what Richard? Mesher. Messer. Oh, Messer. Oh, Messer. Yeah. So they're all, I think they're all going to be in Laval next year. So there's four guys there that in another couple of years are going to be looking to, to push into the roster spots if they work out. Like, let's not sit there and say, not every one of our prospects are going to work out. Like, that's just the way it's going to be. Um, apparently, my daughter for Bedard in a couple of years. <laughs> apparently, my daughter is dating Joshua Waugh, according to her. So, like, they're, they're, they're lovers. Um, I don't think Joshua Waugh is aware of this, but according to my daughter, they're, they met at the airport <laughs> and she, you know, wanted to add him to snap, yeah. and, uh, you know, so she declared him her boyfriend. There you um, go. <laughs> <laughs> so right Joshua, right if you're listening, on. I have, that's who I've got highest hopes for is him and Daryl. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, him and Farrell, I'm I'm most looking forward to, and or at least I see the most potential in specifically, uh, specifically Farrell, but but Rua for different reasons. I don't know; those are two very good picks in the draft. Well, we could see Farrell this year if uh, Harvard gets put out and they they sign him. So yeah, there's a possibility we see him this year. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest thing where you have to look at is the defense, because I'm telling you, two of those lefties got to go. They better not trade. They better not trade my Matheson. guy. I think Matheson stays. I think he's there for the long haul. Edmondson will be gone oh, yeah. regardless. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I think he does yeah. too. Yeah. So Matheson stays. Gooley stays. They're guaranteed to stay. Yeah. Uh, but then you have Struble, Harris, Jacki, Kovacevic, who's Jack. right that plays left. But I mean, Harris can play right. Um, but yeah, someone, something got to give there. So we'll see, we'll see what happens there. Yeah. I could uh, see Harris being that guy, uh, who, you know, eventually gets frustrated not being able to crack the top four because he's got these huge hulking guys ahead of him who can move. Right. So I, I, I could see Harris being that guy who will have value down the line. Right. You know, he's still young. He'll be under, uh, he'll still have RFA status. So, you know, it's a good, it's a good situation to be in. I think Barron's played well enough to start the team, start with the team next year. Um, if he works out his, uh, his mental early season, mental issues. 
because yeah. I think that's that's what his thing is. I think he just takes a while to get his head into the game. I don't know. What do you think, Coach? <laughs> You're muted. You're muted. <laughs> if I ever talk to a coach who's coached him at any point in the last few years, I'll let you know. <laughs> but uh, you know what they say: so, those who can do, those who can't, coach. Um, that's why Wayne Gretzky was a terrible coach. <laughs> why right. can't you guys do this? It's so easy. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, but and, and like even on the right side, like Lo, I truly believe Logan Mayu will be in Laval next year and have a chance to come up on the team, according to. Uh, uh, what's his face there? Uh, not Rob Ramage, but I flew with his girlfriend there to Dallas. Fra- Frankie Bouillon. Fra- Frankie Bouillon. Um, well, I had to fly with her. She just happened to be in the seat next to me. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, he thinks Logan May is ready for the NHL now. I think that's a bit of a stretch. But uh, so also have Lane Hudson as a lefty too. That's brutal. Yeah, that's, well, that's what I mean. That bad position or a good position to be in but that's that's a lot of lefties that, that you got to find with think severe of, potential too but think of the potential of what they can get back if they have to get rid of a couple of those guys yeah like you know if lane hudson turns out to be what everyone hoping he's going to be and again i'm going to temper my expectations on lane hudson um how dare you i'm just saying but if he turns out to be anywhere close to an adam fox or a kale mccarr that's a win right um that's a huge win so i mean you have matheson i guess you have hudson uh but you have ghoulie so where are all these left ghoulie's not a uh ghoulie's not a third pairing defenseman hudson won't be a third pairing defenseman matthews is matheson's not a huge pairing defense third pairing defenseman by the time matheson is expiring maybe that's when hudson slowly well, I mean, it's his Hudson's only in his first year of college, so yeah, there's no yeah. rush on Hudson. So you're, but it's you're right. It's it's endless that the talent and prospects this team already has, and they're going to compile more. Like this, this, um, you know, at this point, it's just a waiting game, and I think two mm-hmm. to three years is fair because then you got to think you've got a 27 year old Suzuki and a 25, 24 or five year old Gooley and you know, 24 year old coffee. So it's like, that's exactly when you want to start, you know, being a regular playoff force anyway. So yeah, it's, it's a fucking wicked position to be in. It's just suffering through this is the, is the. the but it, this is, this is Montreal's had to do that for the last 20 years. Montreal's had to do this. Yeah. Mark Bergevin should have did this in 2013 when he first took over. He should have mm. said, all right, Jeff. And I think this is just my, opinion this is my whatever i think bergman kind of wanted to do that and i think jeff molson said no we're the montreal canadians plus the 100 the 100 anniversary was coming up and they didn't want to go into the 100th anniversary uh, that was before oh that was before yeah so they there's been a a thing in montreal where we have to be a playoff team we have to be a playoff team and i think that's what killed them for the past 20 years no one came in and said well I know we got to be a playoff team, but in order to be a contending team, we got to, you know, we got to scrape the bottom of the barrel for a couple of years and uh, build the proper way. And now they're starting to do that. And they're doing it in a time where you can do it quickly. 
because back then it would take five to 10 years where now you can do it in two to five years. So see what happens. I mean, it also helps that it also helps that Bergevin had lined up Suzuki and Caulfield and Gooley before Hughes, right? So it's like they were, they're already like yeah. Hughes started two or three years into it. So they're, I mean, they're in a good spot. They go from having, you know, Bergevin had his detractors and his issue and his, you know, his issue. One thing that I, I, I disliked about the Bergevin era, which he corrected at the end, was that they never had like a guy like Anderson to, um make space for talented players now they have anderson and it's looking like they'll have him for a bit longer but even if it's not anderson two or three years from now they'll still need a player like him make space for the rest of the guys so it's good to have him now so they can play that way but i i think they will have like slavkowski doc they're going to be big players that are going to create yeah. space so yeah yeah that's why I think it could Anderson could be a guy on the move, but I mean, there's no rush. Why rush to easier to move than Gallagher? <laughs> well, yeah, because his contract's yeah. still worth what he does, and that that's the only yeah. reason why. Uh, yeah. But Anderson, again, Anderson, by the time he hits thirty, is his contract going to be any good anymore? Who knows? Who knows? Well, uh, that's the question that we're going to have to answer in the summer, but. Not tonight. Uh, we've reached the end of our time, uh, but before we leave, we usually have a final thought. Treg, you've you've been rambling on too long. I talk too much. So, Matt, final thoughts to you. Go Habs, go baby. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> Let's get That's a W. More than nothing. Get another yeah. W next game. <laughs> Piss off all the tankers, right? Yeah. Fair uh, enough. I'm in. What's what's a third win in the month, really, in the grand scheme of things? Yeah, it's not going to hurt I mean, anything. So, I mean, if you look, if they look at standings now, the the worst they'll finish is probably sixth. Yeah. But if they win the next game, it's they'll against the be, Bruins. They'll still be fifth. <laughs> exactly. And but they beat the Bruins, so let. Let's go. Let's get this in. You know, triple so. W. Woo. <laughs> no, thanks for inviting uh, so, me on, Blaine. I was, I really appreciate it. It's first, it was the first time I've got to chat Habs in the old, uh, you know, social atmosphere, social media atmosphere in a long time. So thanks for the invite. It's been an absolute treat. And it's good to see Treg again. Looking swole still. Thank you. And, uh, Thank you. you know, congrats on the Fun medals, by, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And um, yeah, so thanks again, guys. It's been great. And I'll see you again Thursday evening, right? That's right. Um, so you're our guest host this week. You're replacing the other Matt, the uh, oh. the younger one with the bad beard. <laughs> but we went with uh, we went with a star this time. We need someone to drag us along. No, no, I'm I'm dragging myself along, trying to raise three small kids. I'm not sure I can drag you guys yeah. too. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, you don't need two, you don't need two more kids. <laughs> you act like three kids. Yeah. How was Montreal, by the way? I really wanted to go. I was like so close to being like, fuck it, jumping in the car, driving out uh, for the draft. The parts I remember were okay. Right. So, right. 
Slikowski laughed at me when I had my right shirt t-shirt on. I had a t-shirt that said, make the right choice. And he walked by us and he pointed at it and laughed. I thought that was cute. That's yeah, I remember awesome. him pointing down going, oh, <laughs> little man. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was right up to like his, I think I was up to his nipples but, or something. <laughs> if that. Uh, so I want to thank everyone who's tuned in. Uh, all four or five of you that watched us at some point. Um, to everyone who's listening at home now that this is a re we record this live so all the mistakes are still in i'm not editing any of that crap out because that's a lot of work and uh, i work for the government and i don't do that shit so thank you to everyone who's listening keep sending those uh, those emails in keep sending in those requests we're still going to try to meet those such as bringing on big name superstars like matt bedard the scotian canadian and uh just want to keep saying, uh, if you're talking about it, so are we. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. <laughs>